kids can go if they hadn't gone already. All right. Taking my text out of John chapter 12. We're going to be in John chapter 11 as well. But um, before I start, I want to thank Randall. Y'all thankful for your pastor? Amen. Amen. We should be. He called me a little bit ago, said he wasn't going to be able to make the day. If he doesn't do anything else for me, he always keeps me to a place where I've got something in my pocket all the time. Y'all stand with me while we read God's Word. We're looking at verse 42, John chapter 12. It says, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. And Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me, sees him who sent me. And I have come on a, I have come as a light into the world. And whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Y'all hear that? Whoever believes in me should not abide or live in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe... I don't judge him, for I didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. That's what God wants for you, everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Lord, I just bow in your amazing presence. I thank you, God, for this group of people. Thank you for the opportunity to stand before them and uh, be able to preach your word. Thank you, Lord, for calling us and and, uh, bringing us to a place where we see you. I love you, and I pray for the ones in here that may not have a clue who you are. And and I pray, God, that before they leave here today, that they'll hear the, the gospel message of what you did for us. I just praise you for your mercy and your grace, and I ask, Lord, that you would be in the forefront of everything that we do and say. I pray for our pastor this morning. And I really don't know why he's not here, but I also know that he would be here if it wasn't important for him not to be. So I pray for him and Miss Donna this morning, and I pray, God, that you would give them uh, wisdom and, and just overwhelming by your presence. I'm so thankful for that man, what he means to me and what he does, and, and every day, day to day for me and for, for this church. And I just, I just praise you and ask, God, that you would move in our lives this morning. I pray that we'd take this message and uh, this mess that I got and make a message out of it. I pray, Lord, that you would move in a mighty way. I pray if there's one here that doesn't know you that, that would change this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a seat. 
All right, flip over a couple of pages to John chapter 11. This should be a familiar passage of Scripture for every believer that's been in church any amount of time. This is a story of Lazarus. Not the rich man, the other Lazarus. And his two sisters. Not, not everybody knows that this, this, uh, his two sisters were Mary and Martha. Y'all, y'all recall the story about how Martha was always the one out there doing everything. She, matter of fact, Jesus went to, to their home and uh, they invited him for dinner. And Martha was in there just cooking away. And Mary was at the feet of Jesus. And she, could, she was so mesmerized by him that she couldn't move. She couldn't get away. She just had to be in the very presence of God. Y'all hear me? She had to be in his presence. She didn't care about eating. She didn't care about fixing up the house. She didn't care how it looked. Now, how many of you ladies, if Jesus was coming over for lunch today, you'd be home now? (laughs) Trying to tidy up a little bit, right? How many of you would be like Tiffany, be out in the yard waiting on him, anticipating him coming home, coming to your home? But Martha was, Martha was in there just cooking away, and she said, Lord, make her come in here and help me so we can eat. What did he tell her? He said, Martha, Martha, you worry about all these things. She said, Mary's got it right. She's in here at, the feet of, at my feet. I want to back up from that story and go a little bit further. Because you see, there's another story about Mary. You see, she wasn't, she wasn't about appearance or looks because Mary, uh, the Bible says, was a harlot. How many of you knew that? Mary was a harlot. And Jesus had an occasion to go to a religious leader's home. And he invited him in. And on the way in, Mary comes in behind him. And she's broken. In the very presence of Jesus, she's broken. And it says that she had some ointment, some spikenard, things that they used in, in, in the burial process. And she, she poured them out on Jesus' feet and started wiping his feet with her hair. Now, I tried to wrap my mind around this story a little bit. And I, I want to I get with you all and see if you're on the same page with me. If I invited Jesus to my home, and this woman comes in, and I know she's a harlot, because everybody in town knows she's a harlot, and Jesus was there, what what would you be thinking? I'd be thinking, what are you doing here? You need to go. I got important business with him. I'm trying to impress him because I'm I'm real religious, right? I'm all about religious, and she was. Wiping his feet with her hair. And so the, so the rich leader tells Jesus, he said, If you knew what manner of a woman this was, you wouldn't let her put her hands on you. Jesus said, You know, I've been in your home. I've been in your home all this time. And uh, let me go back to a custom that they had there. This is the desert, and it's full of sand and cold at night, isn't it, Blair? 
it's full of sand. <laughs> and when you walk through the desert in the sand and, and it's hot, your feet were nasty, all right? And, and it was a custom there when you come into someone's home that they would, they would have a servant there washing your feet and drying your feet before you come in the house. Well, Jesus tells him, he says, look, I've been in your house all this time and not one time have you offered anything. You, you, know, you don't have anything to wash my hands. And the whole time she's been here, she's been washing my feet and drying it with her hair. And he said, I didn't come for those of you who don't need a Savior. You hear me? He, he didn't come for those of us that don't need a Savior. If you don't need a Savior, get away from Jesus because that's what he is. He's a Savior. He came to save the world. I sometimes think that we get that all out of whack. So needless to say that Mary, Jesus made an impact in Mary's life. He changed everything about her just by being in her presence. So we come to this place where her brother gets sick. And he's, he's on the verge of death, and they get a hold of Jesus, and they said, this, this is what they told him, the one who you love, who you love, is sick. But if you come, I know that he can be well. He can be made whole again. So Jesus jumped right up and waited two days. Why do you wait two days? I thought, why, why are you waiting? There's a sense of urgency here. You ever have a sense of urgency in your life and you needed Jesus today? I need you to show up today. Not two days from now, not six days from now, not a month from now. I need you now. Well, Jesus was making a statement that he's a, he's a life changer every day. There's nothing impossible for him. You may be here today and you might think, my life is so overwhelmed that Jesus couldn't even touch it. You think? So I want to tell you something about him. He made you. And he can fix you. He made you, and some of you he has fixed. Amen, that's right, sister. Praise God. Nobody knows me like I know me, and I was wretched, miserable, broken. And he came. Listen to me, he came. And he made everything new. You know what? He's in the new-making business. We're going to pick up here in this story. In verse 4, chapter 11, verse 4. Or back up to three. He says, Therefore the sister sent him and said, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And Jesus heard that. He said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And I'm, I'm going to speed it up a little bit. For I'm going, to, I'm going to cover a little bit of it just for time's sake. Jesus, uh, he tarries after he made that statement. He just stays. And he says, 
disciples said, we need to go. We need to go. He's, he's, he's bad sick. There's no way you can save him if you don't get there. And then when they get there, he's dead. He's been in the tomb for four days. And then the sisters come out of the house. And they're brokenhearted. How many of you have been brokenhearted because God didn't show up when you needed him? So the broken heart has said, Lord, if you'd have just been here. If you'd have just been here, our, our brother would be alive. He said, I am life. So I'm here and I am life. You see, if, if, you're, if you're caught in your trespasses of sin, you're dead already, the Bible says. You may be sitting in this church and you may be thinking that I've, I've never been saved. I don't even know who this Jesus is, but I'm, I'm here to tell you today that he can bring new life to you. And there's some of you that's been here that he has brought that life to. And the reason I'm preaching to you today is because you need a reminder of who he is. You need a reminder of how great he is and how powerful he is. The Bible says that Jesus said, here in a couple of minutes I'm going to bring this out. Jesus said, I didn't come here. To judge you. I came here to save you. He's the savior of the world. Now trust me. There's a judge coming. And you're going to have a choice to make. And you can make it today. You see. Jesus come to that tomb. Where Lazarus was in there. And he he told us to open it up. And uh, one of the sisters said. Oh Lord you don't want to do that. He stinks. How many, how many so dead in your sins you stink? Come on. I was so dead in my sin, I stunk. I look back on that part of my life and I can't even believe that it's the same man. Because I was so wicked, there wasn't nothing I wouldn't do. There wasn't nothing I wouldn't say. There wasn't nobody I wouldn't say it in front of. There ain't nobody that I wouldn't be ugly to, hateful to. And then Jesus came and changed everything. How many of you know people that are like that today? There's nothing they won't say. There's nothing they won't do. There's no. There, there's nobody any more lost than them. If you don't feel sorry for them, then you don't know what it's. You don't remember what it's like to be lost. Every saved person in this room needs to remember what it's like to be lost. And every lost person in this room needs to know what it's like to be saved. We should never go a day and take for granted the gift that Jesus brought to us. So he steps up to the tomb and he tells, you know the story, he says, Lazarus, you come forth. And he called him by name because he didn't want everything coming forth. And everybody... I always wondered about that. Why didn't you just say come forth? Because everybody would have come forth, and then, and then there we would be. But he said, Lazarus, you come forth. And he come bouncing out of that grave with those grave clothes on, all mummified, trying to get out. And everybody was astounded that he raised him from the dead. 
You see, he was setting the stage for what was happening in a couple of days. I'm going to tell you something about Lazarus. He was brought to life and brought out of a grave. But Lazarus died again. But if you, if you read the stories all about these, this family, they all believed Jesus was who he said he was. And they all were saved. And Lazarus, although he died again, he's, he's going to be raised again. He's the only person in history that's going to be raised twice from the dead by Jesus that I can think of. You see, God's got a purpose for your life. And it's for you to glorify him. And maybe he's going to do that through your marriage. You might be saying, well, my marriage stinks so bad. He can't do that. It might. It might. But there's nothing in this room that can't be resurrected. There's nothing in this room that can't be fixed. There's nothing in this room that can't be overcome by the power of Jesus Christ. Listen, I think sometimes we, we, we believe that he's the Savior and we believe that he's all that. But we forget how powerful he is. Do you know he spoke one time and put everything that you see into motion? Wow, I want to give you a thought process about heaven. We all sit up here and think that there's a lot of people that think that you're just going to be floating by on a cloud doing this and that. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. The Bible says that he has been gone 2,000 years. And he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you'll be also. That was 2,000 years ago. He created everything that you see here in the United States, the world, Europe, all of, all of everything in the world, all the galaxies and everything up there in seven literal days. He spoke it into existence. He's had 2,000 years to create a place for you. You don't think that's going to be phenomenal? It's going to be phenomenal. But the greatest thing about heaven will be who's there, and it's him. It's him. He said, Look at verse 25, John chapter 11. Because Mary and Martha said, Lord, he's going to rise again, but this is before he told him to come forth. I got a little ahead of myself. He said, we know he'll rise again in the second coming. Look what Jesus said. He said, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. If you're here today and you're a human being, that's hard for you to believe, isn't it? Though he's dead, he said, I'll I'll raise him up again. Here's the thing. Sometimes we get Jesus' power confused with our power. There's some people I would love to raise from the dead. But you know what? I don't have that power. 
Flip over to Romans chapter 16. Or chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. If you're a Christian here today, you have this power. Everybody there? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. How many of you believe that? Amen. How many of you have grounded your life in that? That's where I'm at. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he came. He, he, he lived my life for me. He took all my sin to the cross. And he gave his life for me. And you. And the Father said, I am pleased with that. It pleased God to pour his wrath out on that. He took all the sin that we could ever come up with and put it on himself. And he did that so that you could be saved. He came to be the Savior. Don't ever, don't ever forget that. He came to be your Savior. Sometimes we try to carry our sin and carry our weight and carry all that stuff that was never meant for us to carry. That's his. You can't carry it. If you could, he wouldn't have came. The gospel message is that, just that. He came to save the lost. And if that's you today, today could be the day, the best day, the greatest day of your life. Or you can walk right out of here just like he came in. See, that's the thing about him. His choice is yours. He's not going to force you into nothing. But he stands ready to save. He stands ready to change your life. And he can. The only one who can. There's only one way. And Jesus is the way. Now, if you're here and you're saved, this should be a message of great joy for you. Because this is our hope. This is where our hope lies. In the power of Jesus I think sometimes we look at Jesus some, just like the world looks at him like some frail woman like nothing against you ladies woman like man isn't our, isn't our culture overrun with that I get so sick of womenly men I'm going to go on a rant y'all keep on <laughs> I get tired of womenly men isn't that right There's two things we didn't raise at my house, and that's womenly men and dogs. I was raising children at my house. I don't let them act like dogs. And I don't let them act like women. Men ought to act like men. Women like that from time to time, but that's not, that doesn't matter. Women, men should act like men. But we all need to get back to a place where we see who we are and God's heart for us. God's heart for you is good. The Bible says his, his goodness is what brings us to repentance. And it's his goodness that brought him here to the cross. I'm going to tell you about the two greatest miracles that Jesus did. 
And then I'm going to let you go this morning. You get out early, right? What time is it? Early. Two greatest miracles that Jesus ever did. And I want you to think about all the miracles that he did before I tell you this. Every, every one that you can conjure up in your mind. And if you, if you have a problem with that, read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They got all of them in there. All the miracles that he did. In Genesis, it starts with that because he created everything. All right, but with all of that, the greatest two. Number one is he went to the cross. He went to the cross for you and me. It's the greatest miracle he ever did here on this earth. The second greatest miracle is when the Father raised him from the dead on the third day. And that's our hope. If you don't leave here with anything else, if you know Jesus today as your Savior, you have the hope of the resurrection. You're going to live somewhere forever. And your choice will be made today. Y'all stand with me. Father, I just bow before you, God, and uh, I'm thankful for what you did. It boggles my mind, Lord, that you would do that if it was just me, if it was only me, if I was the only one that said, I want you, I believe you, you would have come for just me. It's a great love. I pray, Lord, that the ones in here that need saved today, that they would they would consider what eternity is going to be. And I pray for the ones here that have already made that consideration and they've chosen a life grounded in, in you and that you've saved them. I, I pray, Lord, that they would never forget what it took to do that. The Bible says you left your throne in glory. You considered it lost. To come here to this place and be treated like a criminal Lord I pray that you would never let us forget what you did for us never let us forget what it's like to be lost and never let us forget what it's like to be saved I ask it all in Jesus name